It was a large city. It was a diverse city. It was an economically successful city with very loose morals. It was a difficult place to be a Christian. You see, uh, in this city, um, well, all forms of sexual expression were not only uh, tolerated, but in many cases celebrated. In fact, they had a temple dedicated to it. They had multiple festivals that would happen in a year. Um, and, And so this was a difficult place to be a Christian, National leadership was getting increasingly um, skeptical about some of the new movements in, in, in parts of the empire. And so they were starting to speak disparagingly and skeptically about Christians. Christians were beginning to be distrusted. Furthermore, even, I mean, national leaders would just seem to seemed to encourage all, all, of, all the moral collapse that they were seeing around them. So Christians in this church, church probably smaller than this one, they, uh, they were starting to wonder what was going on. How long would it be until Jesus finally comes back? And the church itself, I mean, was dealing with division. It was dealing with conflict. It was dealing with some moral issues of its own. Jesus, when are you going to return? Just like you promised, it has been so long. It has been so long. It's been at least 30 years. Of course, I'm talking about the church in Corinth. That's where we're going to be today in in 1 Corinthians. Um, But there's some aspects of the Corinthian situation that might sound and feel a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Because, see, over all these, all these centuries, the human heart hasn't changed. And um, history, as we know, tends to repeat itself, <laughs> especially when we don't learn uh, well from history. And empires rise and fall. And so even as Christians are watching sort of the apex of the Roman Empire and it's beginning its long, slow decline, we perhaps look at the world around us and the culture around us and wonder, where are things going? And just like those Corinthian Christians, we've probably wondered, you've probably wondered, so when is Jesus going to come back? I mean, he promised to come back, right? When is he going to actually make things right? <laughs> now, as I mentioned, we are in the season of Advent. This is, it's a season where... Of, of arrival, celebrating arrivals, the arrival of Jesus as a baby in the manger, and the promised arrival that he will one day return as the coming and conquering king to abolish all evil and, and usher, in a, usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And so we live as people that are between advents. That's the name of this series, between advents. You know, Jesus' first coming. And Jesus' second coming. And, and, and as much as, as, as if, if you're like me, you've wondered about some of the details, like, so when is Jesus coming back? I mean, do you remember reading some of those books or like the Bible studies? A lot of them are pretty focused on. So when is Jesus coming back? We're not actually going to look at that question too much. That's one of the details in the Bible that's honestly pretty murky. You know, Jesus, even when he was directly asked, he said, no one knows the day nor the hour. 
not even the son, that Jesus, when he was God incarnate on earth for whatever reason, that was one piece of information even he didn't know. Maybe he chose not to know, but he didn't know. Likewise, there's some murkiness in the scriptures about how exactly Jesus is going to return and the, when, is when, about the rapture and the millennium. And there's all sorts of wonderful things to debate and different people have, have argued different points of view back and forth. But there's one part of, of the return of Christ that is very clear. And the Bible tells us repeatedly, giving us advice for how to live while we wait. So that's what we're going to focus on. How do we live as we wait? And so today we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, looking at a passage that if you've read the book of 1 Corinthians, and I hope you have, maybe you have, this is the part, it's actually part of the introduction to the, to the letter. And so if you're, if you're just reading the book of 1 Corinthians, you might kind of easily just sort of gloss over this, like, okay, let's get to the meat, let's get to the good stuff. But when we take a closer look, when we slow it down just a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and especially looking at verses 7 through 9, we're going to see the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to this struggling little church, that's looking at a culture around it that feels like it's, feels like it's falling apart, and a church that is deeply divided, that is really, really struggling we're going to see that this hope of Jesus' return and how we live in the midst of that is right at the core of the gospel. We're going to, we're going to encounter um, two promises and one calling, okay? Two promises and one calling. So let's take a look at that together. We'll read the entire passage, and then we'll do a deep dive into verses 7 through 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and, there's one of our words, key words of the day, called to be his holy people, together with those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech and all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ about you. Verse 7. Therefore, first promise, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. Are you eagerly waiting? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no? Okay. Are eagerly waiting? Yes. 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 <laughs> If I have to. All right. Eager, thank you. Eagerly waiting. Eagerly for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end. Second promise. So that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Who has called you into, what's that word? Fellowship. With his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul writes to the church, he says, we've seen God's grace in you, in what you're saying, in what you understand. So it's in your speech and it's in your knowledge. And then we get to verse seven, this first promise I want us to lock in on today. Therefore, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus 
to be revealed. So here's the first, first point. Here's first truth, first promise of the day. We, you, I, we have every gift we need. That's what the Bible says. You don't lack any spiritual gift. We have every gift we need. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am gifted. Some of you don't want to do that because it feels weird to say that, right? I am gifted. I'm gifted. I'm gifted. You know, every Christian, every Christian has received the ultimate gift, which is the Holy Spirit. The ultimate gift of God is the Holy Spirit. Like uh, Romans 10, verse 9, if you confess with your heart, with, uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, something came to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes we call that like asking Jesus into your heart. Well, he comes in. He comes in, and, and the way that he comes in is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God resides in all those who call Jesus their Savior and Lord. The Holy Spirit of God. Let's just spend a, a few moments just, like, thinking about that. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes, okay? Do you realize the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you? The same power that parted the Red Sea now lives inside of you. The same power that saw blind people see and deaf people hear lives inside of you. The same power that Jesus accessed to feed thousands of people with, with small amounts of food lives inside of you. The source of all joy, of all wisdom, of all discernment lives inside of you. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. You, I, we. And every time it's, you see the word you in this passage, it's second person plural. It's y'all. The text in y'all. It's all of you together. Each of you, all of you have received the ultimate gift, which is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the first gift. And out of those gifts, as the Holy Spirit lives in you, then, then there will be spiritual gifts evident in your life. And then these are, the, the, in this case, the gifts end up being very, very diverse. And Paul ends up talking quite a bit to the Corinthian church about the different gifts and speaking in tongues and words of knowledge. And, and people, some people are better at, at praying for people and seeing them be healed. And we read in other parts of the, of the Bible about gifts of leadership and gifts of administration. Some of us have the gift of gab. It's a gift. But, but sometimes we make, we make a big deal about the, the more public gifts. But as it turns out, every gift is needed. And here's the other thing for us to understand as a local church is that not only have we corporately received the ultimate gift of the Holy Spirit, but that every spiritual gift that we need to accomplish the mission that God has for us has been given to us. It may not all of it be manifest in you because you have some of those, you have, all of us have the Holy Spirit, but some of us have some spiritual gifts, others have other spiritual gifts, and we need all of them working together. Some of them are, are visible, very public. Others are going to be a, a, a little more unusual. 
Here's an illustration. Who here has a junk drawer at home? Do you have a junk drawer in your house? Yes. In our house, uh, off the kitchen, there's a place where we put, we, we hang the, you know, the, the, the keys and you charge your cell phone there. And we've got this one drawer and, you, and if there's things you don't know where to put it, you put it in the junk drawer, right? But the truth is, the junk drawer is not actually filled with junk. It's just filled with things that you don't really know what to do with at the moment because you don't have like a special section in your house for it. Like, have you ever had to go look for that little like paper clippy thing to fix your phone? You know, like you have to pull the little cart. Who's ever had to do that? Where do you find that? You find it in the junk drawer, don't you? Or we had to fix, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of glue called shoe goo. Have you ever, any, but like it's a special kind of glue that you use to like fix the soles of shoes. And in our, we, we have some, if you're looking for shoe goo, where do you find it? The junk drawer. It's not a junk drawer. We call it the junk drawer, but it's not junk. It's just filled with more miscellaneous things. And some of us have gifts like that. Like, I was just thinking this week how more miscellaneous gifts, let's be honest, right? So five years ago, if you were to say, you know, you're asking people about their skills, and they said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a network technician, I, I help to connect computers, you'd be like, okay, at least in the church, you'd be like, okay, can you sing? Like, I mean, you're just, like, you're just, like, what do you do with a gift like that? And then in the last year and a half, hats off to the IT people, right? There are times where gifts might be more easily overlooked that in other moments become absolutely essential. You know, we, we had this uh, break-in in the church on Friday. You know, but by the end of the day Friday... After we discovered it, not only had most of the messes been cleaned up, but there were gifts of carpentry sealed up a back window. There are gifts of generosity of people of already coming forward to say, hey, how can we help with replacing certain things? Gifts of administration, you know, within an hour and a half of us discovering it, you know, Paul had already been on the phone to every person that would be needing a key between Friday and Sunday morning and, and you know, thing, and, and, Keyhole security had already been out to, to, to change out the locks. I mean, stuff started to happen because of the gifts of the body. Jesus uses, or I said, Paul uses that analogy, the idea of the body. You know, we've got all these different parts in the body. They're not all the same, but they're all important. So there's no junk drawer gifts. There's just more miscellaneous ones. One you may not know what to do with right away, but God will work it out. So that's the first promise. That's the first promise. You and I, we, we have every gift we need. Do you believe that? Every gift we need. Now, sometimes you have to look in the junk drawer you have to search around the house. You need, to, you need to figure out where that resource is. And that's also true in the local church. But we have everything we need to fulfill everything God has called us to do. Because not only do we have the greatest and first gift, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, living inside every Christian, but various Christians have various gifts. And all of them working together will accomplish the mission that God has for us. You're gifted. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you're gifted too. You're gifted too. So that's the first, that's the first promise. Let's take a look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you may be blameless on the, na- on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the second promise. Here's the second promise. God will keep us firm to the end. God will keep us firm to the end. You realize in your salvation, as, as you gave your heart to Jesus, that, that that wasn't just you making a decision. That was also God calling you into relationship. God was present in your moment of conversion, in the moment that your heart came to Christ, the moment you crossed the line of faith. God was present in that moment. He had set it up. So whether that's the people in your life or, or, or what we see in the scriptures is that the Holy Spirit was already knocking on the door of your heart in that moment. God was working in that moment. God is present in your salvation. God is present. He is at work also in your sanctification as your life is being changed by Christ. We are not as important as we think we are. Now we are still accountable for our own decisions, make good decisions. But God is present in every moment of our lives. You and I, we are, we are kept. We are kept Say with me, I am kept. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are kept. Because we are kept. Which is why, as Christians, we don't need to fear the future. You know, as we, as we you know, you hear all, this, all the things about the end times, we don't need to fear it. We do not need to fear it. Because God has promised to keep us firm in it. I want to talk about something that may be just a little bit controversial, but it's important that we hear it. And there's been um, plenty, I mean, in every generation, there are going to be speculations about things like the mark of the beast. So in my time, you know, growing up as a Christian, I heard a number of different things as being potentially the mark of the beast, like getting a tattoo. You've got the mark of the beast, right? No. Or, you know, like a social security number. You've got the mark of the beast. In Canada, like the social security number is actually called a social insurance number. It's like it's literally called your sin number. Like, oh, yeah. That got Christians really fired up. Your social security number is, is, uh, could, be, could be that. Um, barcodes. Credit cards. Cell phones. More recently, Vaccines. Now, there may be plenty of good reasons for you to choose to involve yourself in any of those things. But here's something we need to hear. We need to hear. And I realize this is going to push some buttons just a little bit, but we need to hear it. See, God isn't, God isn't so fickle that you're just going to, whoops, you know, fall over a well-intentioned decision, and now you lose your salvation. Why? Because it's not, it, your salvation is not just up to you. It is up to the Lord. And let me see your eyes again. Jesus isn't that weak. Jesus is much stronger than you think. Now, the Bible does tell us that there will be a time where there is the mark of the beast and there will be some moments where it is very clear. Are you choosing to follow Christ or are you choosing to follow the ways of the world? It will be very 
very clear, but God does not play games with his children. You will not, you will not trip over something, especially if it's, if it's a decision that you're making in good faith, that you are praying about, that you are moving forward with out of a sense of obedience to the Lord. No one mistake will cost you your salvation. No one sin will cost you your salvation. Why? Because your, your faith is not held by you. Who's it held by? Right. The scriptures tell us he will keep you firm to the end. Who will keep you firm? He will. You are kept firm by God. You are held firm by God. So it allows us to relax a little bit. It allows us not to fear the minor stuff. But instead, and now we move to the, to the call, to the next verse. This is what we should be concerning ourselves with. Not only over one random, perhaps bad decision, or sort of a, booby, a faith booby traps out there, but so let's look at the call. Let's look at the call. So God, um, verse 9, God is faithful who has called you into, what's the word? Fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Third point, final point, here it is. Our first call, our first call is fellowship with Jesus. Our first call. What does God want for you? Well, there's plenty of things he wants for you. But his first call is that you would know and grow in and live in ongoing relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Our first call. Our first call. Now you may have additional calls in your life. If you're married, you're called to be, if you're a man, a bottle husband. If you're, if you're a woman, uh, uh, you're, you're called to be a good wife. If you've been blessed with children, you're called to be good parents. You may have additional calls in terms of career or vocation or ministry call. But our first call, our first call, our foundational call, you can almost think of it that way because if we forsake our first call, then the foundation for all this secondary calls starts to crumble, doesn't it? Would you like to live in a house with a weak and shaky foundation? Well, certainly not in the third or fourth story, right? Our first call, our foundational call is fellowship with Jesus. The Greek word there is koinonia. You know, that, that word for community, it's, it's fellowship, it's partnership, it's, it's friendship, it's brotherhood to do life with Jesus. It's our first call. So as we move into this season of Advent, and maybe you're thinking of this Christmas season, you're going, oh, there's a lot going on. Do you, do you look at your calendar and go, yikes. There's a lot going on. And maybe you're looking forward to it. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're feeling a lot of joy. Maybe you're feeling a lot of pressure. I don't know. 
But what would it look like? What would it look like as you're moving into the season of Advent, this season preparing for Christmas, often a really busy season? What would it look like if this was an Advent season, a Christmas season, where when you get to the end of it, you go, you know, I, I really got to know Jesus this Christmas. I really deepened in my walk with him this Advent. What would it look like for that to be true for you this year? I really grew in my faith this Advent season. If our first call is fellowship with Jesus, both individually and corporately, then you know what are the habits that God might be inviting you to adopt in your life so that fellowship with Jesus becomes the foundation of your life. Maybe the foundation of your day, the foundation of your week. You know, as we draw near to Christ, then all of, the, all of that gifting of the Holy Spirit, that spirit that lives inside of you, gets to be more fully expressed. Are you looking for more joy in your life? Do you know where to find it? It's in fellowship with Jesus. Are you looking for more wisdom in your life? I sure am. Do you know where to find it? Where do you find it? In Jesus. Are you looking for a better perspective? Where do you find it? Are you looking for a breakthrough or a miracle in your life? Where do you find it? Our first call is fellowship with Jesus. Um, I remember some, some teaching of Rick Warren. If you've ever written Purpose Driven Life or anything like that, uh, Pastor Rick Warren, he talked about, you know, when, you, when you're praying, it's good to, to be kind of thinking about like Jesus sitting right there next to you, like on a, like a chair next to you. So if, if you're sitting next to an open seat on a chair, just maybe glance at the chair just for one awkward, weird second and go. When you're praying, it's like Jesus is sitting right there. And so maybe you could imagine him putting a, putting a hand on your shoulder. How's it going? How you doing today? What's on your mind? Because we have fellowship with Jesus. He is right there. You're driving down the road and you take your, your, your car becomes a you know, place of prayer, which you know, at least I, for me it sometimes is. Um, you know, and you've got that empty seat next to you and just imagine that Jesus, he's just right there. You know, you can talk to him, like even like out loud, like he's just your friend. He's just right there. Because we have fellowship with Jesus. He, he's right there. What would it be like if this Christmas season, you said, I, I just grew in my fellowship with the Lord. I just got to know him better. Do you think of Jesus as your, as your friend? 
as your, as your buddy? We have fellowship. We have fellowship with Jesus. God is faithful who has called you, who has called me and us into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the part as we're looking to live faithfully as we wait, however long it is. That's the part to worry about. You know, some pretty rotten things happen when Christians fall out of their fellowship relationship with Jesus. You can have all the right morals but the wrong heart. All the right actions, but for the wrong reasons. (laughs) And we miss out. Lord, I want to have fellowship with you. This Advent, this Christmas, Lord, I want to have fellowship with you. But it's important that as we, even as we're talking to God and, talking, you know, and specifically talking to Jesus like he's sitting right there next to us, it's, it's important to remember also that even though we are invited to come to God just with that level of intimacy, just, I mean, that level of casualness, even, even in that moment, it's not necessarily like a, like a hey Jesus moment. Like that when we are talking to Christ, when he's, when he's sitting right there in the car seat next to you or in the, the, the seat next to you or on the, next to you on the couch or just across the room, across the dining room table, and you're just talking to him, you're talking to the most powerful person in the universe, quite literally. Even in that moment... <laughs> If, if we could just peel back the, the divide between earth and heaven, like we read about in, in the book of Revelation, if we could have just that moment where it just peels back and we, get to, and we get to see Jesus for who he is, we would see this environment where of, of continuous, enthusiastic worship. Like Revelation chapter Chapter 4. Let's just read a few of those passages. 4, verses 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, that's Jesus. And who lives forever and ever, that's who? The 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You have created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. We get to talk to that Jesus this all-powerful, all-knowing Savior of the world. He's right there. Would you close your eyes for a moment with me? I just want to invite you to imagine that moment. Imagine if, if in front of you the, like the, the veil between earth and heaven, like what's happening right now, right now, if we could only see it.
that throne room. Creatures of all sorts surrounding the, the throne. Voice after voice after voice. A multitude beyond number. Calling out in worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And there on the throne, at the center of all the action, receiving all the worship, receiving all the glory that is due his name is Jesus. And just imagine even there on the throne, Jesus turns and his eyes open up and he looks you straight in the eye. And he says, what's on your mind? What would you say to him in that moment? Do you realize Jesus wants to have fellowship with you? He wants to hear from you. That Jesus, that Jesus on the throne, that Jesus, the spotless lamb, that Jesus that redeemed the whole world, including you, that Jesus who gave his life on the cross freely, willingly, out of love for all humanity and love specifically for you? He wants to hear from you. What do you want to say to him? I just invite you under your breath, under your breath, just to... Just to say what, say what you're thinking. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you that you have given us the gifts that, that we need. And the greatest gift being you, that you, by your spirit, you live among your people. Lord, help us to appreciate the greatest gift, which is you. And Lord, help us to also appreciate the expressions of that gifting that we see in one another. Lord, we need every part of the body that it's only together that the work you've called us to can be complete. So Lord, help us to appreciate those <laughs> with perhaps different gifts than our own. Lord, we need them. I need them. Lord, thank you that you, you hold your children you have carried your children through difficult times in the past. And you can carry us still today. 
Thank you, God, that you are a God who keeps your promises, that your word will always be fulfilled. It will always eventually come true. Lord, help us to cling to that, to trust in that. And Lord, thank you that in the meantime, you have called us into fellowship with you. Lord, we don't want to take that lightly. If there's anybody here today, friends, that you feel like maybe your, your relationship with the Lord has been distant and you want to take a moment just to rededicate your life to Christ or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus in the first place, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. And we, we won't put anybody on the spot. That's not how we do things. But if you'd give me the privilege of just praying for you individually or allowing us together to recognize that, it, that important spiritual steps are being taken. Can we just make eye contact for a moment? Yeah. I, I see you. I see you. More importantly, God sees you. Yeah. I see you. Lord, thank you that you are holding your children firm. That you are calling your children home, even those that are, that are praying in a special way today. Lord, thank you that you gave your life on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so we could be welcomed into your family. Lord, we do not take that lightly. Help us to, help us to remember who you truly are. So Lord, fill us with hope. Thank you that you can. Thank you that you do. Amen. I invite you to stand, or if it's more comfortable, you can sit, or honestly, in this song, you may even choose to kneel. It's a song that's just based on those same words that we've heard from the book of Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thanks, Bose, for leading us in that.